turn to Romans chapter, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We begin reading in the first verse. We're going to look at verses 5, 6, 7, 8, maybe more if we get that far. Okay. You follow along as I read aloud. Wherefore, seeing that we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Those are two quotes from the Old Testament. The first one is from Job chapter 5, and the second one is from Psalm 94. So the writer of Hebrews is simply quoting the Old Testament. He says, If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye illegitimate. The English word in the Middle English word in Hebrews doesn't carry the same connotation of being a curse word as it does now. The word in the King James is the word bastard. It simply means someone who has no legitimate claim. No legitimate claim. Okay? You have no legitimate claim, and you're not a son. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands that hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. We'll pause there in our reading, because this covers a whole lot of territory. Ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. Boy, we could uh, camp out there. Because a bunch of us have read major portions of the Old Testament. That's what he's referring to. And we have been taught a lot of the Bible stories from the Old Testament. A lot of the interesting things from the Old Testament. Things that... Uh, that King David tried to share with us through the Psalms and, and things that Solomon tried to share with us through uh, the uh, uh, 
book of Proverbs, uh, things from the Song of Solomon, uh, things that Jeremiah and Leviticus tried to share with us about the God's dealing with Israel when they turned away from it. Things Isaiah tried to teach us. And the, and the minor prophets, the prophets who only wrote short books. That's why they're called minor prophets, not because they were any less prophets than Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, Daniel. No, they just wrote short books, so we call them the minor prophets. But they, they had a great deal to say to us. And we have forgotten much of that. In fact, what's tragic is sometimes we forgot it before we ever got out the church doors. I mean, we heard it, and we didn't apply it. We just listened and got up and left. Had no effect. And so, the writer of Hebrews is saying, You have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Let me share a couple of examples. Some friends of mine had two teenage boys who did not like their Sunday school teacher. Okay? I wasn't the teacher. But I don't think it would have mattered. These two boys decided because they didn't like the Sunday school teacher, they were going to do everything they could to disrupt his class. And was a, a, a teen class, had about 50 teenagers in it. And they continued... To be disruptive. I mean, they laughed inappropriately at various places. They sat and talked while he was talking. And, uh, and it, it just, I mean, it kept getting worse and worse. He, uh, he admonished them. He spoke with them and uh, spoke with their parents. And finally, one day it got so bad that he did what they had hoped he would do from the very beginning. He asked them to leave the class. And they got up and left the class. And their parents, instead of dealing with the boys about it, got mad at him and quit the church. Not just quit the church, quit going to church at all. And things have not worked out well for them. Let me just leave it at that. So sad. They despised the chastening. First of the teacher and then despised the chastening of the Lord. Because God was trying to get their son's attention. He's trying to help their boys. Several other situations I could mention. This young man, his mother passed away. A couple of years later, his dad passed away. And uh, he'd been faithful in church from the time he was a little kid, you know. But uh, when his dad passed away, uh, he decided that uh, God was just being mean to him. Okay? Now, Trust me, it's hard to say goodbye to people. I know that better than anybody, or at least as well as anybody. Okay, But when God gave my mom and dad free trips to heaven, I did not get upset with God. 
okay? Because he promised me the same trip. I just didn't get to go with them. Okay? But this kid got upset with God. And so he, his lifestyle was that of a Christian who <clears throat> could talk the talk, but he didn't walk the walk. You know what I'm saying? Okay? I mean, when he was around Christians, whoa, he could, he could talk like an evangelist. But when he was around his friends in the world, he talked like a heathen. And he acted like a heathen. And God began to deal with him, chastening. Now, chastening sometimes is just a look. My mother used to use the look. Okay? Me and Ryan would be sitting with her. We always, on Sunday night, we always sat next to mom and dad until we were in high school, I guess. Uh, we always sat next to mom. Dad was on the platform. But we'd sit next to mom, and, and she sat behind whoever was in the last row of the church because she knew with, I don't know how she knew, but with me and Ron, she knew that one of us was probably going to be able be asked to leave the service and go downstairs to the back part of the basement with her while she explained to us why we couldn't behave that way in church, why we couldn't punch each other, why we couldn't pinch each other, why we couldn't kick each other. And, and it never was my fault because he would, he would, I'd draw a line between us on the pew and he would, put his foot over the line or put his hand over the line. He was defiant. That's all I can say. <clears throat> and so I'd have to whack him. And and sometimes mom would just look, you know, and she had that, that sweet smile. But in her eyes, you recognize that she was saying, your party's over. One more time and we're out of here. And so sometimes chastening is just a look. You do something, and the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden you become aware that God's watching. Because God sees everything we do. You can't hide from God, not even in the dark. Because midnight is at noonday in the sight of God. Sometimes the look was not sufficient chastening. And sometimes it was me, and sometimes it was Ron. Almost never did we both get taken out together, <clears throat> although that did happen a few times. But, uh, but sometimes uh, she would go past the look, and she'd reach over and take hold of my, of my arm or Ron's arm or whatever, and she would whisper, Stop doing that. Pay attention. So we'd stop doing it and pay attention till she looked away. And eventually the chastening would take on uh, a, uh, a more serious form. And she would take us by the arm and said, okay, let's go. And we'd walk out, go down the steps and back of the, uh, the auditorium and down all the way through the, the basement under the congregation, all the way back in the basement under the choir room. And there was a Sunday school room back there. And there we would sit down on the little chairs or the little bench by the little small table and she explained to us again why we couldn't behave that way and why it was we had to be respectful of God in God's house. And then we would pray and ask God to help us be better boys. And he'd, she'd take off that little plastic belt and fold it over. Bow, 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 bow. Whoa. 
And then after we'd cried for a few seconds, she would say, okay, stop crying. We're going back upstairs. She'd say, now I love you. I want everybody else to like you. So you must not do that again. We'd go back upstairs. The first part was chastening. Okay? Once she took off that little plastic belt, it was fixing, turning to scourging. Okay? You see, why do you say that, Brother Casey? Because to scourge is always physical. Okay? It's not necessarily being whipped or spanked or beaten. <laughs> they scourged Jesus. Nearly scourged him to death. But scourging does not always uh, take all that form. Sometimes God touches you, touches your body just to get your attention. My mom used to read a poem that said, I needed the quiet, so he drew me aside. And sometimes God does that. Sometimes he allows physical ailments to to come on us just so he can have our attention for a little while. And he says here, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. I know some children, they're very soft-hearted. And if you rebuke them, oh, they just burst out crying. Okay? And... If they'll get over it pretty quick and realize that you did it for their good, then they're okay. But if they just go all to pieces and they, and they don't want to do anything after that, then they've gone way too far. They're trying to manipulate you. He says, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Now, that is so different from some families. There are families where if you get a spanking, it's not because your parents love you. It's because your parents are angry with you. You have embarrassed them. And it, perhaps a worse situation is where you do something wrong and they ignore it and just let you go on your way. Children will, stand, will do almost anything to keep from being ignored. They want to be loved. They want attention. And so negative behavior will be used if they don't get attention for positive behavior. So they just go their way, do their thing. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And he scourges every son whom he receives. Why would he do that? Well, because we don't respond well to chastening all the time. I mean, the Holy Spirit comes along in his still small voice and he says, you know better. You know that's wrong. And we say, oh, that's just my conscience. Well, your conscience does tell you when you're doing something wrong, especially small children. They know when, they're, when they've done wrong. Tim mentioned this morning about Wyatt. Uh, Yesterday, or maybe it was Tabitha that mentioned it. Anyhow, uh, did something wrong at Nana's house, and uh, he didn't want to tell him what it, what it was he did. He just knew it was wrong. Okay, three years old, four years old now. 
Four years old. He knew it was wrong. That's conscience. But believers not only have your conscience, you have the Holy Spirit who comes along and tells you, that's wrong. That's wrong. Don't do that. Don't do that. And if we ignore him and go on and do our thing, whatever we want to, eventually our conscience becomes seared. Okay? Uh, I don't know if you know what that means or not, but let me describe it to you. In West Texas, back in the days when they didn't have fences, they just had open range. Everybody's cattle ran together over the grasslands. The only way to identify your cattle was with a brand. And so they would take the branding iron and they would put it in the fire and get it red hot or white hot or however hot they could get it in the length of time it took them to go get an unmarked calf and bring it into the fire and throw it down. And then they would take that branding iron and lay it on that hair and hide and burn their mark into the hide of that little calf. When they got finished, you know it had to hurt for several days. I mean, you burn yourself and it doesn't go, pain doesn't go away immediately. But later on, after it had healed up, the hide had been seared. And you could come along and you could poke that, that cow or that steer in that brand and it wouldn't hardly feel it. It wouldn't hardly pay attention to it. Just dead flesh. And that's what happens to our conscience. If we ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit, it's often a still, small voice. Or if we ignore the Word of God, it just, it just gets seared over pretty soon. Holy Spirit isn't able to touch us there. He is grieved and He is quenched. That's so sad. Because then the scourging starts. And the Holy Spirit steps in. And God arranges the circumstances in your life to get your attention again. He'll use most anything to get your attention. But He wants your... He wants you paying attention to Him if you're a child of God. Because whom the Lord loves, He chastens. And He scourges every son that He receives. So rebellious sons always get chastened. Rebellious sons always get chastened. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. You say, what's that mean? I mean, is he... Only spanks the ones he loves? Yeah, basically. But he only blesses the ones he loves. Okay? One of the things about being a child of God is that I get to experience his love. I get to experience his his blessings. I get to run around under the spout where the blessings pour out. I'm a child of God. I not only get chastened, And scourged at times. But I also get blessed. And I get to participate in His future. Because Jesus Christ wrote out a will that made me heir to everything that God has. 
And a will is not good until the person dies. And so Jesus Christ went to the cross and died. And then he rose from the dead to become the executor of his own estate. Is that cool? An executor, all he has to do is fulfill the terms of the will. And that's what Jesus did. He made me his heir. He died. And he rose from the dead. He's the executor of his estate. And so all of his promises are mine. Every promise in the book is mine. Every something, every, every chapter, every verse, every line. Yeah, the last phrase. Every promise in the book is mine. Oh, we'll have to look that chorus up. That's a sweet chorus. Okay? And that's what it means to, for God to deal with us as sons, as children, as His children. Yes, the chastening comes, the scourging comes, but if we endure the chastening, He deals with us as sons. We participate in the blessing. So sweet. So precious. Verse 8 offers the caveat. He says, but if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers. Everybody gets chastened. If you're not being chastened, guess what? You don't have any claims in the will. You have no legitimate rights to participate with the heirs. That's kind of sad. Isn't it? To attend church your whole life and then not go to heaven? Or to attend church for however long and serve God and, and then when you die, stand before the great white throne and Jesus says to you, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And those folks will begin to illustrate and, and list for God all the things that they did. Matthew chapter 7. Lord, did I, did I not cast out demons in your name? Did I not heal people in your name? Did I not do this and this and this and this in your name? I did this for you. And he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Whoa. Why? Because they never did trust Christ as their Savior. They list all of their good works, hoping it will get them into heaven. And nobody gets into heaven by being good. We get into heaven by being forgiven. And there's the key. And so, often, when I was little, Mom would have to spank us. And then we would ask forgiveness. Then we would apologize. Then we would say we were sorry. I finally got grown enough to where when I was in college, I went home one time and I had messed up horribly. And I'm laying on mom and dad's bed. Mom's laying on one side. I'm laying on dad's side. And uh, I began to cry. And she said, honey, what's the matter? And I said, mom, I've blown it. I blew it big time. I've asked Jesus to forgive me. Now I want you to forgive me. Would you forgive me? And she said, yes. Now, I, I responded to the voice of the Holy Spirit that time. Okay? 
didn't get scourged. Been scourged, but didn't get it that time. Responded to his word. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. If you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you illegitimate, and you have no claim to the rights of the heirs. You are not sons. So when chastening comes, what should be our response? Repentance. Repentance. You say, Brother Casey, what if something I've done over and over again and I keep confessing it over and over again? Well, that's a whole other sermon. We'll deal with that another time. But how many times is God going to forgive you? Is he finally going to say, okay, no, I'm not forgiving you anymore. You've done it too many times. No, he didn't say that. He says, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Peter said, Lord, if my brother offends me, do I forgive him seven times? I mean, that's the number of completion. Seven, that ought to take care of it, right? Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. One of the reasons I don't care for the NIV translation is because it says, no, 70 times. 70 is not 70 times seven. That's like saying 70 is 490. Math was not my best subject in school, but even I know that 70 is not 490. Okay? And if I'm eating candy, I want 490, not 70 pieces. If I'm getting forgiven, I'm going for the 490. Okay? What am I telling you? I'm telling you, respond to the chastening, confess the sin, and then ask the Holy Spirit for His help. Okay? But don't get all upset and despiteful against God, angry with God, when the chastening comes. Because the Lord only chastens those that He loves. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who is so patient with us. Though he often has to chasten us. He does it with love every time. He doesn't chasten us for his pleasure. He chastens us because he loves us. Dear Lord, drive that deep into our hearts. And help us to learn to respond to our children in that exact same way. Chastening with love. Because if we don't chasten them, it means we don't love them. Lord, we just ask you to continue to bless our church. Dismiss us with your love. Give us safety as we return home. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.